theme song. Everybody can sing along at home. Just give me that countryside. New York is where I'd rather stay. I got allergic smelling hay. I just adore a penthouse view. Darling, I love you, but give me Park Avenue. Hey, everybody. The chores. Let's start by saying that all previous episodes of Free Farm Friday are available as podcasts. Anywhere is available on the Crusade Max at crusademax.com. You can find a healthy, significant number of them as well on the Crusade Max uh, Apple Podcast. If you follow that by clicking the follow button at crusademax.com, they also have their own category, Crusade Channel. Dot com And our regular Master Farmer participants are Brian Kay from Wharton, Texas, and Mitter Dan Mundy from Central uh, Jersey. Let's start with Mitter Mundy today, so, so the poll doesn't have to go into the chat room and go like, We are waiting for Mitter Mundy, please! Uh, Mitter Mundy, the uh, Bruce Springsteen's hometown just closed down, or is going to close down its last big plant, the Nestle plant, and uh, I don't know if you were, if you're familiar with the um, with the town of Freehold, New Jersey, but apparently all the manufacturer is leaving the Garden State. Oh, I am. I am. Good morning, everyone. I am very much familiar with Freehold. Um, it is a. It is a. Part of it is because it's a bougie development area, or it has been. So that that always has a lot. We damn bougies that. ruin everything. I mean, it does. Yeah, it does pressure the economy. So we don't. We don't want that dirty factor there. You know, that's the only place to make stuff we want and a place for people to work. Why would we want that? Uh, that's the same reason they don't want the, you know, the tailor and the candle maker and the butcher next, you know, with their little shops next to them either. So uh, they don't want anything that upsets their uh, pristine little world, Mr. You know that. Um, well, <laughs> they're going to get what they don't want here very directly. <laughs> oh, and I do have to mention, though, I do got to mention something real quick. You realize there's another N-word... Uh, uh, oh, did I leave one uh, out? I'm sure I did. Yeah, yeah, you did, and I, I would suggest you call uh, uh, Disney about it right now. Tigger. Tigger. <laughs> Tigger. <laughs> yo, yo, what's up, my Tigger? I, I was thinking about. I don't know that. Ju Justin missed all the, the discussion here. I have to cancel Tigger. Uh, uh, Justin, you missed all the discussion of Al Sharpton saying, uh, "Now they out there just using words that end in Igger." And looking at black folk, and we know what they're doing. They're making fun. Of, they're, 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 they're mocking the black man. And, and so we did our litany of all the words that end in nigger uh, included. But I forgot Tigger. What's up, my Tigger? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they can't, they can't, ninja, uh, please. Ninja, <laughs> ninja, please. I can't wait for Mike Parrott to get a hold of that today and play some Daft Punk with it. Around the world, around the world, around the world. 
Oh, this could be epic here. Uh, 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 speaking of uh, the manufacturing, though, uh, Mitter Muddy, seriously. Uh-huh. As Bruce Springsteen wrote in that song of his little hometown that the, the plants are clo- closing down. Uh, you know, Billy Joel wrote the the song Allentown. Well, we're living here in Allentown where they're closing all the factories down. Um, uh, now, some factories are actually necessary. If you're going to have a modern economy, you have to have steel. And if you don't, if you can't make your own steel, then you're going to have to import it from some, somewhere. And if you're in a, if your economy is modern and mechanized as ours is, and if you want to have an army to, to defend those oceans and those borders, then you're going to have to have you're going to need an awful lot of iron ore. You're going to need iron ore. You're going to need copper ore. You're going to need all the various ores and heavy metals. Uh, that make up the, the you know the metals that go into manufacturing here. So uh, here in the United States, we don't have steel mills anymore. Um, I think there's one, one or two that are still functioning here. Uh, this is almost like this is a controlled demolition. Like I was saying during during COVID, during the Corona doom, you know the Biden that this was a controlled demolition. Biden just picked it up and continued it, and uh, the fact that these uh, that, that these manufacturing facilities were all leaving, but the stuff is still going to be manufactured. So my takeaway is not that we should all want an end to the mechanized life. We do, but they're still going to manufacture the stuff. They're just now not going to manufacture it in the United States, and people are going to consume what was made by the manufacturing plant. Uh, but the resources are going to be traded to a foreign to a foreign entity in this entity, or in this instance, it's going to be Brazil and Mexico. Um, uh, this can't last very much longer. Uh, you actually happen to work in a plant. Are they, do they outsource the manufacturing of dog food to China and Mexico, too? Most foods and certain consumer products, for, like, like detergents, for example, they're, 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 you know, the margins are small. And and they're perishable to the point where you know you can't you cannot do things like that. It, it, it doesn't or logistically it doesn't make sense. So you know you're not gonna you're not gonna take your bottle of Tide and, and ship that from China because you're shipping a bottle of water. You're, you know when you have fresh stuff. I mean yeah, okay they well, they send us over you know containers of frozen chicken that painted, but you know they're not gonna send over uh, the, you know for a fresh package of chicken for in a couple of days after it's processed. So a lot of that stuff's not gonna happen. But you do understand that, like, you know, for, you know, and sure, I've heard, I've been from, as my mother says, you can't keep a job. You know, I've had, what, 10 jobs in 40 years, and most of them because the factories closed down. New Jersey has the most super fun sites in the country. You know why? They're all the chemical plants that shut down that used to be along the East Coast. Uh, you know, when I when I started school at the Colgate Palmolive Company, one of the biggest and oldest plants in the world they had, I was there when they shut it down. They shut the Unilever plant down up in Edgewater. They shut the... The uh, Port Ivory down there for Procter & Gamble, all those products were made locally. Shulton was over in central Jersey making B.O. All these, they're all gone, every single one of them. I, and I've been part- I've participated in like Johnson & Johnson, Eastern Surgical Dressing Plant. You know where the Band-Aids are made? They're made in China and they're made in Brazil. Well, don't tell Maggie that she's a Band-Aid. <laughs> she's, she's known around here as Mrs. Band-Aid. No, 
well, have to say it, when we had the yeah. kids here, I always had band-aids on hand because every two seconds someone needed one. So I just have a stockpile. Okay? All right. Now, uh, Brian K's fans are now uh, angry at me in the chat room, I'm sure. Uh, so, uh, Middle Monday, thank you very much. Uh, let's, let's go to, the, to Warden, Texas, where it hasn't been below 100 degrees for three weeks in a row now. And I looked at my phone this morning, Brian, and I saw hundreds all the way to next Monday. What in the oh, hell is going on here? Summertime. No. <laughs> I have lived 61 years on this earth, and 49, 47, 40, 47 of them here in Louisiana, and I ain't ever seen one of these. Well, we, we had this in 2011, and it was actually... I know you said that last week. I must have... I don't know. What was I doing in 2011? Because I don't remember it. <laughs> well, y'all don't, I don't think y'all were as affected by it. As we were. Ah, okay. And uh, so it just, it, you know, because you went over to East Texas and it started, you know, it it was kind of, we were kind of on the on the edge of it. Houston saw it, but the worst part was just the middle and western part of the state in, in 11. And then, so, because I remember, I remember days I'd go running and it would be like 110. And it was, there was no humidity because it wasn't raining. So it was just, it was just hot, like running in a, a blow dryer <laughs> or a clothes dryer. <laughs> like running through a uh, blow dryer. <laughs> they they uh, they have us scheduled for rain on Tuesday, so we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we're praying. Well, we got a little bit on Wednesday. It rained about two inches Wednesday afternoon, uh, but not nearly enough. <laughs> I went to Ross McKnight's. I went to Backwater Fogois on Wednesday, and he has a pair of ponds out there. Uh, the, <laughs> the kids can't even use their little pontoon boat. I mean, the water level in, in his ponds is down, I'm just guessing, 12 feet. I mean, it's yeah, way wow. down. Yeah, and this makes the second year in a row, the second summer in a row, where we just can't buy a rain shower. And, in, you know, here in southeast Louisiana, uh, you look forward to May and June because it rains, you know, kind of intermittently. Uh, July, it's usually, you know, kind of hot and calm. But by the end of July and into August, we began this cycle where it rains every afternoon. It's going to thunderstorm every single afternoon, there's, and there's hardly any exception. In the last two years, it just hasn't happened. Anyways, we're, we're, we're not going to complain anymore about the weather because this is related to the volcano and the El Nino. We know, we know what it's related to. Also, a stunning discovery was made that Maggie revealed to me this morning. The people that study the solar cycles have determined... Uh, the scientists at NASA have determined through the Hubble telescope that the sun is actually affecting cloud cover on Neptune. Now, I have a question for you, Brian. If the sun is affecting cloud cover on Neptune, how come it's not affecting it on Earth? Because we're obviously the problem with affecting everything. The oh, sun, yeah. Only affects other things. Okay, the Earth, the, the Earth is the problem with the solar system. Then, yeah, yes. Yeah, if only the Earth weren't here, <laughs> it's white people on Earth that are the problem. That's right. 
White people on Earth, solar systems, I mean, solar cycles, got it. Now, now <laughs> in all seriousness, I was going to go over this with Mitter Monday, but I know you weren't feeling the, the love, so I had to bring my bro in here. <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, we can bemoan the loss of the Nestle uh, coffee roasting and coffee factory, and they take beans and they roast them and they grind them up into taster's choice, for example. Uh, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's instant coffee. It is terrible. Uh, but I would say that what I wish to, to come out of that, and what we would hope is, would come out of it, is that there would be a couple or a hundred or so collegium angelorum sanctorums, people that are doing, uh, men that are doing what, uh, what Deacon Ed is doing with the Liberal Arts College in Hag Hagerstown, Maryland. They learned how to roast beans. They learned how to buy them from fair trade coffee traders in Central and South America. And they learn how to roast the beans to certain temperatures for certain roast. They learn how to bag them and then send them to us. So did Crusade member, Crusade Channel listener Ryan Cornell with Twin Pikes Roastery and Cafe Saint Louis. So did the brothers at Abbey Roast. So while Nestle is going away at the dodo with the giant coffee, um, a coffee manufacturing plant, I think that at some level, you know, big manufacturing, we don't want men to have to go off to go to these plants. Uh, we should almost kind of celebrate this as an end, but it could be the beginning, the genesis of something else, couldn't it? I, I, I agree, and I don't know if you got a chance to watch that uh, video I sent last night. Um, it was a CNN clip. and there Oh, I did. I did. I have it open. I have it open. And, and, and you know. Bill Weir on the, CNN. Yeah, and the, and the guy uh, Peter Bick that did the the, the uh, documentary that uh, I was that they were interviewing, he was saying I specifically asked McDonald's for their input on this. And, hey, hey, you want to play you know, a minute of the clip? You want to listen to it? Let's listen to it. Are major contributors to carbon emissions, but now some scientists are saying not so fast and arguing cows, in fact, can actually be part of the solution. Tell you what, let, let me send this to Maggie. Keep talking uh, so she can play it for the Crusade TV audience uh, over there. Let me send her that link uh, to you, boo. Uh, so, so this guy is Bill Weir, and he's on CNN. And you're right, the headline was shocking that it came on the Clinton News Network that they, the cows aren't the problem. Cows are the solution. Mm-hmm. And it, it got me thinking that these big industries, you think about craft beer and how, you know, more people started buying craft beer, especially in the 90s and 2000s. And what were the big companies' response? Either mimic it or buy the small companies. Coors bought Blue Moon and, you know, Anheuser-Busch bought, you know, Shock Top, you know, all these. M Miller bought Sealess White and killed it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a wonderful Belgian beer made in Texas. So yeah, yeah, and so every you know everybody. What it is is when you start promoting like regenerative agriculture and how people do it, you eliminate the big guy. You know, I haven't bought beef from a grocery store in years because I have a local, I have a local source. You know, and I don't need it, and. 
that's what I think these big companies are afraid of, and I think that's what's happening in Nestle. That's they interesting. But, but Nestle, uh, and I'm sure, let, let me bring Mitter Monday back in. Mitter Monday, uh, wasn't that plant in uh, um, uh, Freeport or whatever? Uh, not Freeport, what the hell is the name? Freehold. Freehold. Wasn't that plant making, like, like Taster's Choice, wasn't it making uh, ground instant coffee? It, yeah, I was making, I think, instant coffee. I think it was making K-Cups, too. Oh, it's making K-Cups, too. Interesting. Dan, hang on a second. Maggie, can you fire up a minute or so with that uh, U-Boot video that I sent you for the TV Free Farm Friday audience? Hang on, guys. According to the Food and Agriculture Organization, livestock farming accounts for more than 14% of man-made emissions. Researchers, however, say if farmers change the way their cows graze, it could make a drastic difference. CNN's chief climate correspondent, Bill Weir, is here. And Bill, what needs to happen? Well, these guys would say uh, farmers need to get fall back in love with Mother Nature and be closer to her than their fertilizer salesmen. This is basically a style of farming that was common across humanity up until World War II, but it's really about letting nature do the work and taking influence from some very powerful models. In the beginning was the buffalo, tens of millions of them, wandering the land, munching wild grasses, and using poop and hooves to create rich, fertile soil up to 15 feet deep. Look at this. Yeah. But since Americans replaced buffalo with cows, generations of fertilizers and pesticides, tilling and overgrazing, have turned much of that nutrient-rich soil into lifeless dirt. But not on farms, where they graze cows just like wild buffalo. Well, so adaptive multi-paddock grazing, AMP grazing, is a way that mimics the way bison have moved across the Great Plains. And so it's really about the animals hit an area really hard and then they leave it for a long time. Peter Bick is a professor at Arizona State University. Okay, that's enough to give a flavor. Y'all, uh, read the notes for today's Free Farm Friday. We'll link to the video in the in the notes. Right, Tommy? And uh, make sure that you have access to it. Dan, that's a... Now, this was broadcast on, on the Clinton News Network. Of course, nobody's watching Clinton News Network any longer. But you could say that it's made to cable news. Um, uh, this is exactly, precisely what RFK Jr. was talking about in his farmer's town hall. I think that this thing may actually have uh, the, the Free Farm Friday topics may actually be gaining some traction. And as you always say, now nah, we got to watch, we got to be careful because the big guys will come in, try and steal the idea, and ruin it. Well, I'm more concerned about these scientists. I mean, uh, you know, do, do, do you know? I mean, do they do the, the client? You know, is it is it enough of the scientists? That, you know, remember. Almost all scientists agree that climate change is, ma is man-made. So if you've got a few rogue scientists that think they're going to do this, I'm not, I can't believe that we haven't uh, dispensed with them already. Yeah. I mean, I would cancel them. I think they should be canceled because they're dis disseminating false information and perhaps tried and jailed. <laughs> <laughs> He's being facetious. <laughs> it can't, oh, I am? Oh, yeah. It, it, it can't be true, Medicare. It can't be true. It can be true. Um, it can be. It can be. But yeah, but yeah, again, seriously. But you know, like, first thing you hear there, well, you know, here's another unfounded statistic that doesn't make any sense. I don't know what, how they actually calculate it. Now, now, uh, uh, agriculture accounts for fourteen percent of, of, of man-made emissions. I hear fourteen percent, eighty percent, thirty-seven and a half percent. I mean, would they stop? <laughs> I mean, I, you can't even take it seriously. Not, not that we know it's serious. We can't even take take CNN seriously because 
you know, they, they throw up information that doesn't make any sense. It's unfounded. It's un, it's unchecked. It's unverified, and they just throw it out there because somebody else is somebody else's brother-in-law. Yeah, but the solution that they threw up, up. Yeah, but the sol- the solution is correct. Yes. Okay. And and and, and you know, yeah, we we agree. We did. There's no question about that. It's, and again, because uh, I had thrown that other one out there, you know, where the, uh, about the CAFOs, uh, you know, the the the, the confined animal feedlot that, uh, you know, you're concentrating a lot of animals. And, and how much trouble have you read about lately with, with uh, and Brian will tell you, with the, the, the regulation for water, the water, the water acts they're trying to put through and all, and here comes DP saying, oh, no, we're not going to do anything about the, 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 the confined animal feedlots that are our point source of pollution right now, because we have to study it more. I mean, I, I, I don't even want to wrap my head around the fact that they're, the inconsistencies are, are so great, and nobody seems to realize it because it's like fifty first dates for everybody every time they watch the news. They don't know what was said the day before, so right, that right. drives me nuts. Yeah, you you have to keep up with those stuff. You can't use a farmer's almanac, heaven forbid. But Brian Kane, this is exactly what Free Farm Friday has been talking about, which is returning the cows back, uh, or, or 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 helping to organize the cows in a manner in which the bison used to roam the plain. <laughs> You know, it's. I think the message is becoming more receptive now because, you know, look at the extreme weather events that we are seeing. And uh, people act like, oh, it's not, a, you know, we're not seeing extreme weather events. No, we are. I mean, and what happens when you get more intense rainfall on degraded land, you have worse floods and you have, you know, water these water quality issues. And... I think people are seeing it now, seeing it in their operations or seeing it in their daily life. And they're like, okay, what do I need to do or how do I need to fix it instead of doing the same thing over and over again? You know, it's kind of like idiotic in Texas. You know, you know we, we get these warnings from ERCOT about, oh, well, wind power is not enough. You need to cut back on your electricity. But what are they doing? They're building more wind turbines. We, we got to stop doing the stupid stuff. And, and that's, on the you know on the farming end, it's the same thing. And actually, yesterday uh, I gave a talk uh, to it was a river authority meeting, and they you know were, you have a talk show. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I was it was my day job, but uh, you know I, I came down and give the give the talk, and I talked soil health and and you know planning and how you know how to how to achieve it and everything and. You know, a lot of times, you know, I get dirty looks from farmers and stuff because, you know, I'd say tillage, you know, tilling too much is not good and overuse of chemical is not good. And they're like, well, you know, that's not what my consultant told me, you know, that's not. And yesterday I didn't really get that. And I know there were some, you know, guys who run cows and probably run a few crops in the room and they were legitimately asking, okay, how do I turn my farm, in, you know, more, you know, how do I make my soil healthier? And, you know, I said, yeah, you got, you know, you got to do it because, you know, we're sitting, we're sitting out here and it's on Lake Texana, which is a local, you know, lake down here. And, you know, the, the lake is 10 foot low and, you know, you could look out and point and say, look, this is what's happening because we're not infiltrating the water. You know, we we get a big flush of it and it fills up the lake, but then all, all of a sudden it's gone because we're not, you know, the water cycle is broken, so it's not continually feeding the rivers that feed that lake. 
it's just all coming in one thing because it's running off. It's not infiltrating into the ground and filtering through the ground and going to the stream slowly and, and giving it, a, you know, a maintainable depth. And you could point to that and actually, you know, show examples of that, which was good. But, yeah, I think more people are becoming, uh, you know, responsive and, and, and you know, positive response to, to the topic. But, uh, you know, I think we need to still be wary of the bigger companies coming in because I saw, was it Bear now who owns, you know, bought out Monsanto that they're, you know, they're all starting to, I'm putting air quotes up, but embrace regenerative agriculture. Right. And it's like, yeah, you're not really embracing that if you're still promoting your chemical. I'm not saying, you know, people aren't going to use it and, and can't use it in a context that they might need it. But let's, you know, let's not make it the first choice. And so. Well, and that's the, uh, the that's the, it won't ever change until it becomes, uh, until it becomes part of what's taught. So yeah, you, you're, 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 it's a generational thing. You're going to have an entire generation that's going to return to back to the land. Ultimately, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's it, what it's that's bad. that's when this will repair, or when the when the real repair will uh, will will begin, and that includes the issues that are associated with what we uh, what we call climate. Um, yeah. None of that is going to, to change appreciatively until it happens. Uh, again, let's go back into scale until it happens on a scale. And when there is less of what they do and more of what needs to be done, well, then, then that's, when it, that's when it will change. Um, and that's also going to, and I just have to say, that is going to have a direct correlation and a direct link to uh, you in order for this to, to, to happen there will be a winnowing out if you will of technology I mean specifically digitized things because the digi the digitizing of things can't plant seeds it can't tell cows where to grow can't it, 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 if anything at the end of the day it's a distraction. So you know you have to uh, you, you have to put this uh, the, this this stuff kind of in context here. Um, I want to go back to, uh, to 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 Mitter Monday and I wanted to flip the subject here for j just a second. So uh, Mitter Monday, let us talk about uh, put, uh, putting things back in the scale. I I don't know why I had never seen one of these little Suzuki carry trucks. And now that I've seen one, and Maggie's on board, she we're gonna we're we're actually gonna get one for Walls in Him West. Um, you know that they're now making them with the drive with the steering wheels on the left hand side instead of on the right. I I almost want an older used one so I could just say that I have a right hand side driving Suzuki Carry, but this thing does everything that you need for a truck to do, pretty much, um, at a small scale. Uh, with a mere four-cylinder uh, engine, um, uh, and it looks like it could go almost anywhere, um, and it does it for, I just want a truck that it comes in a white box with black print on it that says truck. And that Suzuki Carry is pretty much it. Well, that's, I mean, but way, you know, I mean, I, as I said, miniature, I won't give up my F-350. I know you're not going to give up your big rig. But there's a time. But you need it. You need it. You haul trailers. 
but but you know when it just comes to normal running around because I got to go down to my buddy and pick up a half a dozen bales of straw go down to the feed store. And I can, you know, I mean, I don't know if Maggie showed you. I mean, every time you talk about a hoopty, I sent her a picture of my latest hoopty. Uh, you can't get them anymore. I mean, I, I, I mean, a small vehicle like we're talking about that you can do things. I had a, I got, a, I remember, remember when Chevy made that HHR, the high head boom. I had one of those a couple of years. Transmission went out. Okay, it's too expensive to fix it. Uh, you know, right now my brother gave me. I got a '94 Ford Escort wagon. I love it. It 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 looks like crap. I can put my pig garbage in it. I go get the <laughs> standard transmission. I don't care what I hit. I already hit a deer with it. I don't care. Uh, and you know what's best about it? In New Jersey, I don't have to have it inspected anymore. <laughs> so, you know, it's absolutely wonderful. But it is a piece of crap. So I'm looking at it. I'm back. And I think I sent you a, 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 a video I saw about what what happened to small trucks. I had a Volkswagen diesel rapid, the pickup truck. Oh, that dude, that thing is probably worth a million dollars today. Car. Oh, yeah, I was looking. I, I still got two of them in the woods in the back. I said, okay, you know, can I get enough? Do I want to use parts? Do I want to resurrect one? If you can find them, they're fifteen to $25,000. I paid $7,000 for it new in 1983. So, I mean, that's really not a viable option unless I was independently wealthy and I had nothing else to do but restore my cars. So you're looking for, you know, I got 54 miles of the gallon with that, with that, with that stupid five-speed diesel engine. <laughs> so, but all those the little Chevy S tens and all, and I, and I, you know, why did they stop making these vehicles? You know, now what Chevy's going to make or Ford's going to come out with the uh, uh, their small pickup, but they're not small. And at least this one guy was there's a reason for it is because uh, uh, the the fuel efficiency standards the Department of Energy put out instead of coming up with certain sizes and and regulations, they just came up with a formula that has to do with wheelbase and length and you you put it all together and what, what the efficiency has to be, you put it all together the numbers just work out to the fact that the small trucks are uh, they, they can't meet the standard and if you don't meet the standard, you have to have a penalty on every vehicle you sell and they just don't feel that the market's big enough for them to do that, so the big the car companies just stop making them, which is why we have to go to Japan or wherever Japan is making them over there and buy these little Azuzus and they, they, that's it. They're, they're pretty much the same truck. Mitsubishi, there's three or four names that they're made under. But they're all basically the same truck, and it's absolutely wonderful. Three or four cylinders. Some of them actually have air conditioning. The, the, the Suzuki Carry is a four-cylinder. Yeah. You can get it with AC and a USB yep. in-dash uh, uh, player. Uh, Roll-down windows, five-speed. But they put the shift, and I love this, they put the shift up on the dashboard. Mm-hmm. So you have all your your leg room down at your feet, and you have a bench seat instead of uh, instead of bucket seats. Um, uh, but right, they're solving the problem because they're not in the car business; they're in a motorcycle business. Well, that's it. And I mean, I, I mean, this is not a vehicle that you would want to drive to the St. Benedict Center from where you are. I mean, no, that's not what it's meant for. No, but I mean, and, 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 and you know, but it, it's perfect for anybody with a homestead or a farm who, who, you know, better than half of what you're going to do will not require your F-350 or 250 or 450 or whatever, but it won't, doesn't require that, but it does require something with a, uh, a boxed area that, that you can get dirty and don't care about. Well, you know, that tends, you know, you don't like to do that. I don't think Ms. O'Connell would like that in her new key is all the time. <laughs> just throw the straw or hay or whatever you're getting her back. I don't think, that, you know, I don't think she would like that. You know, you got to go down and go get two sheets of plywood. Well, you can get it in that. 
know, be, and get 30 miles at a gallon, or I can take the, well, the big old trucks. Well, it. the cool thing is about the sides even come down. Uh, yeah, so they, you, they have dump bodies, too. They have dump body versions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. And you can dump it. It goes at an angle. Um, look, look, why didn't, okay, why isn't Chevrolet or Dodge or Ford or one of the big uh, manufacturers, why aren't they making something like this? Well, as Dan said, number one, uh, they can't make it because of the cafe standards. That's a corporate average fuel economy. It's just another way that uh, America completely and totally, the, uh, the U.S. government completely and totally screws things up. Because that's what it does. And it makes these companies, it makes them have an average fuel economy standard. You know, Trump almost got the cafe standards thrown out. He was one step, oh, dude, he, he got them, he got them repealed, he got them, he, he, he got them re- reverted back to like where they were in 2012 or something like that. But he was like one regulation away from ditching the CAFE standards. The only reason that he wouldn't is because his buddies at GM and Chrysler and at Ford would tell him that the Japanese would come in and would kill us. The Japanese would come in and would flood the markets. The Japanese and the Koreans would come in and flood with little things, with, with, with practical, wonderful little vehicles like the Suzuki Carry. Let me bring Mr. Brian Koch in here. Brian, if you're running around on a homestead, um, you don't need a giant, uh, you don't need an F-350. You don't need a big truck. You're probably not hauling livestock to and from the uh, the sale barn and what have you here. You're just going back and forth between a feed store and stuff. Uh, again, scale, uh, scale matters, small is beautiful. I don't know if you've seen this little Suzuki carry, and I guess this is kind of of an infomercial for it. But I like the fact that someone actually went, "Hey, there's a problem that small that small farmers that 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 home base uh, homestead based farmers that need they they need it solved. Let's 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 make a solution. I mean, this is my this is the answer to Michael Warren Davis's essay about not being able to get a white truck with black print that said truck that just hauled stuff to and from." his homestead yeah and, you know something like that makes a lot of sense especially on smaller acreage now you know i will say if you do have cattle and you have to you know take them off fight the butcher it's nice to have a friend with a big truck sure a trailer who's willing, <laughs> willing to haul for you well, maybe you but, cut him maybe you cut him in for a couple for, or for a roast or two yeah, that or you know, just swap something else because you know I, I have a friend like that too. You know, he's a he's a cattle guy, and he does cattle, and he's like, hey, anytime you need something, you know, holler, you know, and he helps me out. So we have that, and actually, right now my regular truck that I drive is still not working, and uh, so a friend of mine let me borrow a Pontiac Vibe, and it's kind of like the little mini station wagon but you can pull the seats down and you could use that and you know haul you know feed or you know whatever else hey you know a couple you know small square bells or whatever if you need or something like that so you know something like that you know it's very economical and you're not paying the cost of like a Kubota or you know whatever whoever makes the side-by-sides and stuff and it's a more practical solution than than that and you know uh, actually, we have uh, a place in the next town that sells those Suzuki's, and uh, you know they have a few of them lined out in front of their their place, and uh, I think they sell a few of them. And so, uh, you know, I think it's something people definitely use. So it's, it does make sense. 
Uh, we're you're in the middle of a free farm Friday uh, episode here uh, with Brian Koch and Dan Mundy, our master farmers. Uh, so there was a free farm Friday thread where we were talking about the um, uh, the effect that glyphosate and that uh, pesticides are having on uh, the bee population. Was there anything in that story or in that particular string that we hadn't previously covered with what pesticides do to bees? I don't. Go ahead, Dan. Minter Monday. Sorry. I didn't see anything particularly new in it that we hadn't already covered in a general sense. So, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot of details you can get into, but it, it's uh, actually, I, 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 I actually find a very nice apiary uh, by me because I was going to get some beeswax candles from this, uh, what are they called, understrate post. They didn't have any, and I needed them. So I found an apiary up here, and I'm going to take some courses. They offer courses and stuff and still help set you up. And uh, I spoke to them very briefly about it, and they definitely discussed the fact that it, was an, it, it impacted, and when they farm their bees out to various farmers in the area that they're very conscious of what they're growing and, and what they may be applying to the land. But they're much more concerned about some of the natural predators, at least up here in the, in the northeast. They're, they're more concerned about the mites and some of the natural predators. Well, here was the, the, uh, the, the other story. The EPA is rejecting calls for tougher regulation of big livestock farms. It's promising more study. Um, uh, the the big livestock farms are a problem because they aggregate so much so much manure and other runoff together. It's almost uh, unless you're going to uh, actually dig trenches and then uh, channel it directly into uh, some sort of a reservoir or figure out a way to get that uh, to get literally get that crap <laughs> from where it is onto the pasture lands or the uh, uh, the agriculture beds uh, of farmers nearby. I mean, it's a problem. And, it, and again, it's a problem of scale. A small-scale farm that's raising, let's just say, Brian, what would you say is a small-scale scale hog farm? How many? Ten. <laughs> okay, well, that's good, ten. So you're raising ten or twelve. Um, in, in, let's just say you have, you got an acre per, per pig, I'm just for argument's sake. There's more than enough ground out there uh, with 10 acres for you to figure out what to do if you move those hogs around uh, with, with the runoff. There won't be any runoff. It's going to go directly into the soil, and the soil is going to regenerate as a result, correct? Mm-hmm. So that's the solution to the problem. The EPA doesn't need to do a damn thing except limit the size of hog farms. <laughs> yeah, or... Stop picking on grazing livestock. Yeah, and, or stop picking on grazing livestock. How about this? Elim eliminate the Department of the Interior and let whatever wild bison remain out there, let them go where they want to go. They'll figure it out. God will tell them, you need to go eat that pasture over there. Well, you know, I've told the story of Yellowstone. They reintroduced wolves, and all of a sudden, uh, grazing animals returned to natural grazing patterns, and the soil health improved, and they have water in infiltration and the streams run and don't get affected by droughts and things. It's, it's amazing, you know. <laughs> it's amazing what God, what nature, I'm sorry, what God can do <clears throat> if he's yeah. allowed. 
Exactly. Well, look, fellas, we're going to have to wrap this episode up because we are just about, uh, we are out of time. Uh, Brian, God bless you and all that you do. Keep running uh, Free Farm Friday just like you are. Mid or Monday, uh, God bless you and all the work that you do. Uh, a blessed harvest. We're harvesting okra this week, and we got to pick them early or they get hard. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, no, no, next week I, I actually will be time traveling next week, Medicare. So, uh, uh, time, time traveling. I, 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 we are going to a private living history farm, my wife and I, for open hearth cooking classes, and we are staying in the village in the tavern. Uh, and that's why I needed beeswax candles. And if you want to take a, 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 a bath, they go down to the creek, and they actually say right in the stuff that they prefer that men go find a tree to keep the privy as clean as possible. So. <laughs> So I, I, I am in, I, I, I am not even going to open up my phones and stuff. I am I am going back to uh, a late 18th, early 19th century. Oh, so, so you're back to you, so you're back to the future part four. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you're going back to the whole west with the DeLorean. Just remember, as long as you hit that wire with the connecting hook at precisely 88 miles Eight, an hour. The 88 miles per hour. <laughs> hey, the only so, problem with yeah, that, Minimum. Hey, the only problem with that is we can't get our Suzuki carry to get up to 88. It tops out at 70. This is true, so I guess we're stuck. We're stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, guys. All right, we'll see you in two weeks, uh, Brian. We'll see you next week, God willing. Sounds good.